From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. I want to pray before we begin, because I have a word this morning that I believe can be heavy at times. And so I just want to pray that God will give us some grace to hear from Him and really receive ultimately what He wants to say and not just what I'm saying. So would you just take a moment, close your eyes, bow your heads, and let's just, let's just pray for a moment. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that we can gather this morning, even our homes, um, distant physically from one another, but connected spiritually. And I just pray in Jesus' name that as we listen and as we engage and as we hear, Holy Spirit, that you would speak clearly to our hearts truth. Holy Spirit, that you would shape us this morning as we open ourselves up to you. Lord, as we look at these scriptures this morning, some of which are really heavy, I pray in Jesus' name that you would illuminate them to us. You'd make them real to us. Help us to understand them and help us in turn, even in this season, to put it into practice. We open ourselves to receive from you. In Jesus' name, we bless you, God. We give you glory. We give you honor. And wherever you are, everybody said, Amen. Key verse for today, and it's been a key verse for the series that we've been in. We're going back into Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 35. It says this, it says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to, for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. Here's the key thought for you this morning. It's not about you. It's, it's not about you. Key thought, it's not about you. We have three kids we have a six-year-old, we have a four-year-old, and a 17-month-old. And if you have kids, you can literally watch them grow in their understanding. I think there was literally a point with our firstborn son, Eli, where I looked at him and said, yes, you are definitely smarter than a dog now. Your cognitive ability has actually surpassed that of a dog. I can see it on you. I can see the way you're engaging. Our, our two boys, they're, they're six and four now, and they're in French immersion school. Not right now but they are in French immersion. All their, their classes all the time speak French. I'm not French at all. I'm, I'm very poor with French. I know very um, um, petite. That's all I know. I, I know nothing. But they're, they're, they're in French class all the time. They're immersed at it. And it amazes me how much they know the language, how quickly they've picked it up, how they can converse with one another, dialogue with one another. We'll be sitting at the kitchen table and once in a while they're just speaking French to each other. And it's amazing and it's very scary because I'm, I'm looking ahead to 10 years from now and I'm thinking, what's it going to be like when they're 16 and 14 and they're using this to speak against me you know, or to, or to talk behind my back? But it amazes me how much they know. And I look at them and I say, man, you guys are geniuses. You're so smart. This is incredible. Like, and I'm asking them to interpret things for me because I don't get it. 
But then other times, we'll, we'll be talking about something, maybe it's something they did wrong, and I'm trying to explain to them, you know, what they should have been doing, and I'll say, do you understand? And they'll say, yes, Daddy. Yes, Daddy. But I'm looking at them, and I know they don't understand. I know they don't get it. Like, clearly, you do not understand what I'm saying to you right now. You can speak French very clearly at six and four years old, JK and grade one. But when I'm trying to explain the simple concept to you, you're saying you understand, but you don't understand at all. And I can imagine that that's what the disciples were like when they hear the words of Jesus when he said, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. I imagine the disciples are like, I get it. I'm with you. And Jesus is like, you don't really get it. Like you're smarter than a dog, but you don't get it. You don't get it. Now these words that Jesus shared were smack dab in the middle of of life and ministry. He had just finished feeding the 4,000. He had been, been healing and teaching. And he just shared with his disciples about his death and resurrection. And then he said this. But like us, I think the disciples didn't really know what he was talking about. They probably agreed with him. Oh yeah, we're following you. We'll deny ourselves. We'll follow you. But when, when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, what does he really mean? And it's super simple, but it's something that I don't think we really live out. And I kind of want to look at the, that today. I want to jump back into our series that we would, were doing called The Way. Um, in Jerusalem, there's a path, there's a journey that you can take called the Via Della Rosa. And that is a Latin term which has been developed through church history to describe the way Jesus walked as he physically carried his cross from where he was sentenced to where he would be crucified. And that, that term can be translated to mean the way of suffering because Jesus suffered as he carried that cross or the, the path of pain, the way of sorrows or the way of the cross. It's what Jesus endured in order to give life. It's what Jesus suffered to produce salvation. Now, if you were to go on this path in Jerusalem, this, this road, it's about six, 600 meters long, and it's marked by 14 different stations or stops. And each of the stations mark different incidents or encounters that Jesus had along the way, and they really serve as a reminder for us to see how Jesus denied himself in order to provide us with salvation. Now, at least five of these are not recorded in Scripture. They spring from Roman uh, Catholic or tradition. Of the ones that are actually mentioned in Scripture, we don't really know exactly where they took place. We don't know the exact location. But if you were going to Jerusalem right now and you were to walk those busy streets along the Via Della Rosa, you would see indicators. You would see markers on some sides of buildings that would just basically tell you this is Station 1 or this is Station 2. Station 1 began where Jesus was, was, was brought. He was arrested and brought before the Jewish council and then brought before the Roman governor Pontius Pilate, and he was sentenced and flogged there. And we looked at that a couple weeks ago. The next few stations after that in the journeys where Jesus picks up his cross, where he uh, falls under the weight of the cross, and where he encounters people along the way. But I want to look at, I want to look at the second stop today, you know, where Jesus was, was sentenced to where he physically picked up his cross. So many of the disciples at this point had dispersed, right? Once Jesus had been arrested, once he was brought before the Jew Jewish uh, high council, um, they had dispersed. But I imagine, imagine if you can, that you're one of those disciples and you're recalling this event where Jesus picked up his cross, physically picked up this cross after it happened. Like imagine this is post-death and resurrection of Jesus and you're recalling to mind this event that took place and then also recalling to mind what Jesus said about denying yourself, picking up your cross and follow me. All of a sudden you start connecting the dots. 
I don't know if you've ever played that game when you're a kid, you know, you had that, that piece of paper with the dots on it and it, you know, the, each dot had a number and you begin to connect the dots and you begin to see a picture. And I remember being so disappointed on how easy they were, like I could look at it right away and see kind of what image it was going to be. But I remember the really difficult ones that I wouldn't really put it together, really wouldn't see what the image was until I started to connect those dots and put them together. Well, that's what they were doing. Like Jesus had told us to pick up our cross and now they have an image, they have a picture um, to understand what that means. And they're, they're, they're really saying, I get it now. I get it now that it means so much more than simply just liking Jesus and his teaching. But Jesus actually picked up a cross. We have, uh, we have an old upright um, piano in our house. It's actually right over there. I can look at it right now. And we wanted one for a long time. We had kept looking on Kijiji and Facebook Marketplace to find one. Um, there's lots on there. People are trying to get rid of them, but the problem is you have to move it. And nobody likes moving a piano. Nobody likes moving a piano. We had found one. It turned out that it was someone I knew, and they had lived in this back split house where the, the piano was located downstairs, down this very narrow stairwell. And so I called up a, a few friends and I said, I said, hey, you busy? You know, feel like moving a piano today? I'll buy pizza. That's the easiest way to get people in, right? Pizza. There's free pizza. And sure enough, they, they showed up. Um, they came. Pianos, I don't know if you know this, but upright pianos can weigh anywhere from 300 to 500 pounds. So we get to this house. They showed up. Everyone's happy. We're laughing. We're joking. We're not excited, but we're excited. And we go into this house, and the stairwell is so narrow that nobody could walk beside the piano. It was literally you're either pushing or you're just pulling on this piano. And so here we are, we're full of energy, most of us are, are healthy, um, and it's not easy by any means. What, what began as like a morning that's like full of laughter and jokes and just, you know, having fun together turned into like, why are we here? Do we really want to do this? Is it really worth it? I remember getting stuck at one point on the stairs and we're sitting there. I remember being at the bottom of this piano, holding the weight with two other guys, just bearing this weight on, on me. And we're trying to heave it up the stairs. Now, eventually we did get it up the stairs and we got it out. And when we got it to my house, I only had one step and then it was kind of around the corner at my old house, you know, but if I fast forward the story, we had painted it, you know, we made it look nice. It's like, like a nice white color now, like chalky white, which was a chore in and of itself, but it looked really nice. But sure enough, we're moving again. We were moving here to Corona. And I remember saying to Jody, my wife, like, we're not bringing the piano. I'm not moving it again. And she's like, that piano's coming. And so we went back and forth for a while, back and forth. And who do you think won? Well, obviously the piano is now in our new house. So sure enough, I call those guys again. I'm like, hey, you feel like moving a piano? You know, buy pizza. And they come, and it was easy to get in the truck this time. Again, we only had one step. And then when we came to, to this end, when we're at the house we're in now, um, there's a, a number of people that, were, that helped us move, which was amazing. And we get it off the, the truck with some trolleys. We, we roll it down the, the track and we get it through the, or get it to the door. And you know how there's always a lip on a door? You gotta, gotta get, it, get it through that one lip. Well, this one guy, and I didn't even really know him at all, he, he grabs the one side and he's like, I just, I got this. And sure enough, we, we get the other side and he's got that one side and we pull it through and we get it to, to, to the stairs. Now my house is kind of like that other house that we got out of. It's a, it's a, it's a raised ranch, but you know, the stairwell going downstairs, there's about six, seven stairs. It's not super narrow, but it's narrow enough. And we're like, okay, here we are. And this other guy gets on the other end and he starts to brace all the weight going down. You know, and you know the guy that's going down has got the 300, you know, 500 pounds on him or, or a few of us. 
And sure enough, he's like, I got this. And I don't know this guy. I know him now. Maybe you're even listening right now and you know who you are. But um, I remember watching him and he's like, I got this. And I'm like, you don't got this. Like, this is a piano and you're going down the stairs. He's like, I got this. And he says, I'm a farmer. And I was like, oh, that's like the trump card, right? You just say you're a farmer and just the trump card laid on. And I was like, okay. And here I was watching these, these guys carry my piano down the stairs. And it put context to what Jesus did, right? It put context to the weight that he carried. A Roman cross used for crucifixion was made of solid wood and probably weighed around 300 plus pounds. The, the cross beam probably weighed around 100 pounds and usually criminals were forced to carry their own cross. So Jesus, when he was crucified, was forced to carry his own cross to where he, you know, to the place where he would be crucified, to the, to the hill of Golgotha. Now you got to understand though that Jesus is not just some farmer trying to muscle strength to move a piano here. When he was sentenced to die, he was first flogged and he was scourged. So when he actually physically carried the cross, he had actually already suffered a great deal. Roman soldiers, what they would do when a, when, when a criminal was brought to them is they would strip them of all their clothes so they were naked and they would tie their hands above their head on a post. And they would, they would use a whip that had several strands of leather coming out of it, much like, a, like an old British cat of nine tails. But this whip wasn't just designed to leave bruises and welts, but it was embedded on the ends with pieces of bone and lead. So with each, with each stripe, with each lash, with each whip, it was meant to lacerate and to tear and to cut the, the criminal's flesh. Some medical doctors have described what this would look like um, for someone being flogging, the effects of flogging. See, the whip was usually brought right across the soldiers and the back and the legs, and it would first just cut through the skin. It first just cut through the first layer of the skin, but with each, with each uh, whip, with each stripe that would come down, it would go deeper and deeper. The next layer that would tear would be the deeper tissue um, producing blood from capillary veins in the skin. But then it would go deeper, deeper into the muscle where you'd see more blood that would be spurting out um, from um, arterial blood vessels. Finally, the skin on the back would be hanging like ribbons and it would be completely unrecognizable. Next, Jesus likely would have a, or he did have a skull of, or a crown of thorns pushed onto his skull, which would have caused um, crazy amount of bleeding from his head. So this is what the kind of things that Jesus went through before he picked up his cross. The Roman soldiers, when they um, humiliated him, they placed a robe upon his, on, on his back, a purple robe, like a king. But the fabric would have stuck to all the blood clots, to the wounds. So when they ripped it off, it would have been excruciatingly painful. And that's not just like a band-aid that you and I experienced, right? This ain't it. And it was only after all that that Jesus was forced to carry his cross. A hundred pound cross beam through busy streets, uphill, and after such a beating, I don't care how strong you are, that's impossible. You could be the strongest person in our church and you can't, you can't bear that. Add in the emotional weight, add in the humiliation, and the spiritual weight of the sin and the whole um, uh, uh, deal that you're about to go through. And so here Jesus says prior to all this to his disciples, knowing what he's going to endure, he says people who desire to follow after him, he says you want to be my disciple. You got to deny yourself. You got to take up your cross and you got to follow me. For whoever wants to save their lives will lose it. But whoever will lose their life for, for me and for the gospel's sake will save it. He says, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be someone that falls after me, if you want to come after me, you have to be willing to do this. 
You have to be willing to do this. And it has a whole lot of new meaning. That scripture means a whole lot more when you compare it and you consider what Jesus did and what Jesus went through as he denied himself and he physically carried his cross. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. To deny yourself, it means to cease to make yourself the object of your life and your actions. You no longer live for you, but you live for Jesus. It's not about me, right? It's not about you. It's about Him. It's not about me. It's about what He wants. And that's super hard in our culture. And that is extremely hard in a crisis. It's extremely difficult in a crisis to die to yourself, pick up your cross, and follow after Jesus. Usually when we're in crisis, we go into survival mode. That's why toilet paper is gone from all the stores. That's why grocery stores are empty, because people are in survival mode. I remember when I was in the Dominican Republic on a missions trip years ago, um, we were swimming in the ocean, and I got caught under the undertow of the waves, and it was, they were extremely powerful. And I remember my, my body kind of went into this survival mode right, where I was just grasping for anything and anything to pull myself up so I could get some air. And I just happened to grab onto one of the other guys on our team. And as I'm trying to pull my, myself up out of the water, I'm pulling him down into the water. It's a true story. It's embarrassing, but it's true. As I'm, I'm trying to save myself, I'm, I'm hurting him, right? This is, this is hard to do. This is hard to deny yourself. Paul the Apostle uh, wrote about this. And he wrote, he wrote much of the New Testament. If you don't know anything about Paul, um, he was someone who actually he was a Jew who hated Christians. He hated the church. But then he had this ex experience with Jesus that changed his life. And he went from someone who was persecuting and trying to kill Christians and arrest them to someone who, who would actually help start spread the gospel um, in the early church. And he said a couple strong statements outlining this, this idea of denying yourself in his own life. He said this in Acts chapter 20. He says, Now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace, denying myself, picking up my cross, following after Jesus. He said to the church in Galatia, Galatians chapter 2, he says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith to the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He also said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 to the church. He wrote a letter. These are letters he had written to churches. So this 2 Corinthians chapter 5, And he died for all, Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. It's not about you. It's not about you. The way of Jesus is not living your life for you, but it's living your life for him. And if anyone comes after me, he says, he must take up their cross and he must die to themselves, meaning that you got to suffer and you got to die to any way that he calls you to and you got to follow after him. And if anyone, he says, wants to save their life, 
And if you want to save your life, if you want to protect your life here on this life, on this earth, you will lose it, he says. But he makes a promise. He says, but if you lose your life, if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. So here's my question. Do you, Christian person, do you live for Jesus? Or do you live for you? Now here's how you know. Jesus denied himself. He picked up his cross for others. You know, we have a, we have a kid's book in our house called, Do You Know I Love You, God? And it's about this worm or caterpillar. I don't really know. Some sort of bug. And it's about this worm trying to talk to God and explain to God that he loves God by how he loves others. And it's really this really cool book on how kids can show their love for God by showing love for others. And that's what it's really all about. You know what I think of right now? I think of our frontline healthcare workers and grocery store clerks that are denying themselves. Now, yes, it's their job and it's their career and there's duty attached to that. Like some of them can lose their license. The healthcare workers can lose their license if they don't, right? But what about the church? Like what about the church? What, what are we willing to do? If anyone wants to be my disciple, Jesus says. Now, sometimes I look at what we say we believe and then we look at our daily life and they don't really match up. You know, if you're, if you're uh, raise your hand if you're a coffee drinker. I can't see your hands. I'm just trusting that some of you are raising your hands. I see that hand and I see that hand and I see that hand. And I'm not a coffee drinker, but a lot of you out there are coffee connoisseurs. And that's a fancy word for coffee snob. Right, and you like you like your coffee to to taste a certain way. You like it to smell a certain way. It's got to have a certain kind of brew to it. It's got to come from a specific island, you know, from the hills of whatever, and it's got to be that way. And that makes good coffee. And you know what? You're actually probably right. I don't know. In our church, we want good coffee. We want people to enjoy their coffee. Um, but I, but I think about that, and then I think when you come across someone that doesn't have access to clean drinking water. And all of a sudden, you come back to your coffee snob kind of life, and you're like, oh, this doesn't really matter. Like, this isn't really a big deal. How can I be so snobby about this? You know, some of us can be spiritual coffee snobs. You know, we get a little picky when it comes to, to, to church and to, to services, and we say, well, I didn't really like how that happened, and, you know, that message wasn't as good as the last message, and I want to listen to the other one again. Right now, you have your pick of the litter when it comes to churches. You can watch almost any church online today because most of churches across our nation are having to be online. You have your pick of the litter. But right now, as we, as, we, as we do this and we complain and then we talk about what we want in church, we get consumer mindsets when it comes to it. There are people that don't even know that Jesus loves them. There are people in our, in our globe that haven't even been introduced to the person of Jesus. And you know what? I can get caught up in this. I, I, I can get co caught up in trying to make maybe the digital service seem so engaging so that people tune in. And maybe I got to make sure I say some really cool catchy lines so that somebody remembers something. But what about picking up my cross, dying to my spiritual coffee snob life and following after the way of Jesus who says, I'm willing to carry a cross in a super weakened state for you. I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. So Paul says in Acts chapter 20, he says, I consider my life worth nothing. I consider my life worth nothing. My only aim is to finish the race, is to finish the job, is to live for the purpose that God gave me. My life is worth nothing, he says. 
My, my only aim, my only purpose is to do what God asked me to do. Do you know what I think? I think at a time of crisis, we need more of this. I think in a time of crisis, we need more of this mentality. We need more of this mindset. We need more people following after Jesus saying, I'm going to deny myself. I'm not going to grab the last piece of toilet paper. I'm going to deny myself. And do you know what? There's a peace that comes with that. There's a, there's a peace that comes with accepting that my life and all that I have and all that's been given to me and all that's been taken away from me, it's not about me. It's not about me. So whatever happens is okay. There's a peace that comes with letting go of myself for the sake of the gospel. If you want peace, if you're finding yourself in a state of turmoil, you know, you're, 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 find you're, you're in a storm, you're, you're uncertain, you're worried, you're, you're, you're in a fearful state and you want peace, stop trying to get a hold of your life. Deny yourself and be like Jesus. Let me ask you some questions. We're going to come to an end. Let me ask you some questions. When you look at your, your regular daily routine pre-COVID-19, right? Before all this went down, when you look at your regular daily routine, who are you living for? When you look at how you structure your life, who is it about? When you look at your quarantine routine, right? When you look at how your life is right today, with COVID-19, who are you living for? Who are you considering most of all? You know, sometimes crisis, crises have a way of helping us self-examine, evaluating kind of our life. Can I just ask you, have you died to yourself lately? Have you picked up your cross lately? Do you know your purpose? Do you know the things that God has called you to? There's a reason that you exist. There's a purpose that you're here. There's a real need happening today in our world. There, there are people who are hungry for answers to the problem. The problem is, is that our world is in chaos, right? The world is in chaos and people want to know how are we going to get through? And I want to say that the answer is found in someone who carried the weight of a cross on their back, someone who defeated death so that we could have hope. There is a being who created you, who made you, who designed you, who purposed your life for something, that he loved you. And one day he's going to judge us, but he's full of grace and he's full of mercy. And he sent his son to come down to take on the form of man, to show his creation how much he loved them, to take their place on, on their cross so that, that he would die and they would, they would live so that we could be in right standing with God. And he rose from the dead and he says that he puts his spirit in us and that we are one with him so that what, whatever comes my way, I don't need to fear. And do you know what I think? I think more people, I think more people would find Jesus. I think more people would find peace in a time like this if Christians just denied themselves, picked up their cross and followed after Jesus. I can't really shout because I'm in a basement. But it's not about you. Stop living for you. It's not about you. Stop living for you. It's a daily choice. Call somebody. Pick up your phone. Ask somebody how you're doing. Listen, we need to socially, we need to physically distance ourselves from others right now. I'm not saying that you need to put yourself in an unsafe position. Don't do that. 
That's not helpful for you. That's not helpful for anybody else. But deny yourself. Is there somebody? Call somebody up. What do you need? Do I have something in my stock supply that I can drop off on your doorstep? Is there somebody that maybe feels a little bit more isolated and they need someone to just spend time with on a phone or a video chat? You know, I'm so encouraged when someone just sends me a message and just says, hey, I've been thinking about you. Do that. Stop just thinking about yourself because it's not about you. It's not about you. Because we follow after a God who says, do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send my son. I would never send my, personally, I would never send my son for you. I would never give up my boy. And, and that's the reality. But God says, I'm going to send my son. I'm going to come and I'm going to die the death that you deserve so that you can live. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to pick up my cross for you. And so Jesus asks us, if anyone would come after me, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. Then you'll have life. And then you'll have peace. And then you'll find purpose. I said, I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that in this time, you'd find a way to not think of yourself, but think of others. I want to pray for you today that even in the midst of everything that's going on, we would find out what it means to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross and follow after Him. I want to pray for the many people that are suffering. I want to pray that those are sick or healed. I want to pray if you're here today and you're worried about getting sick, that you'll be protected. I just want to pray. So would you take a moment, you just bow your heads, and let's just ask Jesus to touch our hearts. Lord, I just thank you for your goodness, and I thank you for your love, and I thank you for your faithfulness, and I thank you for bearing the weight of the cross on your shoulders even after you're suffering what you did for us. And I thank you, Lord, that we have that, that picture now to go along with your words that say, pick up our own cross, die to ourselves and follow after you. Help us to do that. Help us to know what that looks like, even in today's unchanging times. Help us to be people who choose not to live for ourselves, but to live and follow after you. Lord, I know there's people that are in fear right now. Lord, your word says you cast out perfect fear, perfect love, cast out fear. And so I ask in Jesus' name, would you just fill hearts with, with love right now so fear would fade. I pray that people who are going through much, Lord, would find that as they turn to you, that a peace surrounds their heart, surrounds their mind, Lord, that your presence would comfort them. Lord, I pray for situations that I know you're aware of where you would intervene with your power, with your presence, God. I pray for reconciliation where reconciliation is, is needed. Lord, I know that we are supposed to be physically distant, Lord, but I pray that as we're physically different distance, that we'd still connect as a body, as a community, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would look at our shelves and our cupboards and think, hey, I have a lot. Maybe there's someone on my street. Maybe there's a, a frontline health worker. Maybe there's somebody who needs me to make lunch for them and I can drop it off on their doorstep. Lord, help us to be your hands and feet. Help us not to look to ourselves. God, we just pray for protection over our church. Lord, we pray for protection over our nation, God. And Lord, I believe in the name of Jesus that, that what the enemy has intended for evil through this, you are doing for the good of your kingdom. But Lord, intervene, God. We just need you to move across our country. Lord, we need everybody to play their part. But I pray most of all, God, that the church would be a beacon of light in this. And Lord, we would come through this, Father God, in the name of Jesus, looking more like Christ and less like an institution consumer. Lord, we love you. Help us to deny ourselves. 
Help us to live for you. Help us to have a mindset of Paul who said, I no longer live for me, but Christ lives in me. In the name of Jesus, God, we bless you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.